And welcome to Going Off Track. And I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. Jonah, joined by Brad. Hey, all. Just the two of us. Um, Just the two of us. I recently... We can make it if we try. Yes. Just the two of us. You, uh, you I don't have to tell you this. I recently did an interview about Going Off Track. You did not tell me that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, for Alternative Press. AP. AP. Uh... <clears throat> I recently did one for Time Magazine. Nice. Yes. But tell me about yours first. And then it was I'll... great. We talked all about the podcast. I don't know if it's for print or the magazine or when it's coming out. Um, but it was whoever interviewed me. I'm slipping on the name. was super nice. It's a guy in a bar sitting at the end of the bar. Yeah, yeah. So look for, for that. Look for that. Read AP every week. Every, <laughs> stay on their news page and keep checking and eventually you might see it. Or when it comes out, I'll say something on the podcast too. So that was cool. Getting some props. Hey, that's great. Right? It's about time. It's about time. We're due. Four years in, people are starting to pay attention. Yeah, man. We're going to sell some records now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This could be our big break, guys. Uh, Yeah. So that was cool. Um, What else is going on with me? Not that you asked. Uh, (laughs) Things have been good. Yeah, what's new? What do you got in your future? We know about your past. Future... What's coming up, Jonah? You know, I'm really just trying to just get it together, get organized, like get back into like yoga, like get over this injury, like eat more vegetables, just trying to like, just trying to, it's been a little, been get a little pulled thin. Straight in and direction. narrow? You're trying to get on the straight and a narrow? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I'm just trying to, uh, yeah, just act like an adult a little bit more. <laughs> 36 now. Ooh. I know. Careful. I know. <laughs> things are not things are not acting the same way they nah, you're a have. man dude 36 is like it's like 16 yeah i mean look at this mustache this is you're like this is the desirable age yeah you think yeah. oh yeah oh yeah let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> isn't it always women love a 36 year old guy yeah all ages too yeah 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 isn't always that was like five years ago it was like the desirable age i feel like no, no. You're okay. right there. You're in the pocket. Okay, cool. Aren't you feeling it? Yeah, I feel good. I feel okay. I, I know this. for a fact you didn't stay at your apartment last night. So um, that's all I'll say. <laughs> I did. I, I stayed at a friend's house. <clears throat> <laughs> I did. Uh, oh, little shout out. Speaking of staying at friend's houses, uh, a couple weeks ago, I fell asleep on my friend Travis and Julie's couch. And Travis is in a band called Piebald, and they just announced that they're going to be playing a bunch of shows on the East Coast and Uh-oh. West Coast. Um, and they've been playing that Wrecking Ball Fest. And I actually interviewed Travis for the announcement that got posted on Noisy. So if you love Piebald, which you probably do, you should uh, go see them. I think the shows are in like June or July or something. I thought maybe you're going to say he fell asleep on his couch and he teabagged you. No, he did not. Although <laughs> he did want to. <laughs> His girlfriend told me he did want to surprise me by barging into the living room naked the next morning and was very disappointed that I had actually gotten up early and left. <laughs> Someone wanted to get breakfast with me or something. And I guess he like was like, oh, Jonah's here and like ran in. I was not here anymore. It's like so. he bailed on the chick that you'd spent the night with. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> in like a very weird way. But uh, yeah, so sorry. Go check out Piebald Pri- Travis next time. I promise I will stick around to see you naked. So, uh, not to segue, but I just wanted to talk about how, I think I got blisters on this one, editing this podcast. Yeah. This, 
Let me tell you something. <laughs> uh, today's guest, Jesse Camp, as you probably know, MTV VJ. Um, man, what an interesting <laughs> dude. Uh, me and Jesse sort Probably of- most of the... Probably, I would have to put this as... as- Close second, if not ahead of the Fat Mike episode, in terms of just pure invasiveness yeah, yeah. of our space and our psyches. Yeah, this was like, <laughs> I mean, I think you, Stephen left about halfway through. This podcast was over two hours long. Yeah. Originally. Um, Jesse came by, he brought his sister, who's awesome, who's an amazing photographer. And then about halfway through, uh, his friend Mike denied came in. Um, unannounced yeah. <laughs> but happened to play with gg allen and the murder junkies and if you know me i'm like have a huge fascination with gg allen so it was actually awesome because i got to ask him all these questions about gg from someone who like <laughs> was friends with him i missed that i had to it, leave that, halfway through this podcast just to get some work done yeah dude. no i get it but yeah so check out mike is a super awesome dude as well his band the denied is cool check them out he's like a new york punk just awesome dude um and yeah jesse obviously was a vj on mtv the 90s won this contest and still has some stuff going on some stuff going on i met him (laughs) yeah he's at snl a lot so i've seen him a lot of parties i met him at a lord jane gray show he's he's everywhere i feel like everywhere i go he's there and he's 17 feet tall so very easy to spot (laughs) oh yeah um so yeah i thought this podcast was going to be us like sort of like figuring out what jesse's doing now and after talking for two hours i think i know less what he's doing now <laughs> i have no idea i just know that he's working on a bunch of projects he's super friendly a very sweet dude and definitely uh, an enthusiastic guy yeah and you'll hear it so and recently he gave me a ride to a party while i was blackout drunk and i only realized it once i looked on instagram the next day i was like <laughs> i was like i'm in a car with jesse camp and i was like oh yeah so thanks for the ride uh, thanks for coming by. This is, yeah, a, a very weird and fun podcast and Jesse and his sister and Mike are awesome. So let's just, let's get into it. Cause there's a lot to get into. All right, here we are with Jesse camp. Ba-boom! Jonah! What is up, man? (laughs) Jonah, thank you so much for having me on. I love the podcast. You know, I gotta be honest, I am a big Talk is Jericho podcast fan. Okay. And I like the Eddie Trunk podcast, but your podcast is amazing. And, um, yeah, it's it's honor. I think you're... Can you swear? No. Yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Why would you not? Well, (laughs) you know, I'm sure legally you could. There's no FCC on a podcast. We can do whatever we want. You know, still getting to know everyone, and so you want to be polite. You don't want to just start... Going off the rails, it's but good. super quick, I didn't put two and two together. Oh, yeah, and so, you know, um, when I'm here in New York, and if there's Saturday Night Live, you know, I, I mean, the cast, they're awesome, and it's always, you know, Michael Che, and, um, you know, it's the coolest cast maybe ever, and, of course, so your sister, that's kind of how we met. Right. And then, um, and I think we met again at, like, a, a when- city winery Laura Jane Grace thing. Yes. And so, you know, that's the cool thing about New York. Like, when you kind of, like, you meet people and then you kind of, like, you see them again in different places. I hope this isn't too boring. But what I'm getting to is that I heard about the band United Nations. 
you know, with the Beatle cover of Abbey Road where they're all on fire to the whole crazy saga of how, like, everyone is in different uh, recording contracts so they can't uh, legally be in the band at times. I don't know. It's a cool thing. And I did not realize that you are, of course... Jonah Bear from United Nations. It's true. Which yes. is amazing, which is very cool. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Wow, my ego has been really fired up already. Yeah, it's a good way to start. <laughs> and, listen, I really wish uh, my amazing sister, that's another cool link between us, too, is that, you know, I'm, are you and Vanessa only siblings? Yes. Exactly. That's cool. And uh, same with me and my sister. And so I have a um, a younger sister. Well, I'm getting that. And we work a lot together, but then we do different stuff. Oh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. No, just saying, like, you know, why I think you're a rad guy. And then final thing. All right. This is, I really hog in the beginning of this. I really apologize. <laughs> no, no. If I am meandering. But once we get this all out. So final thing here, I remember, like, uh, I think I was a little stoned, and uh, I I asked uh, you and your sister, I was like, I'm a bit psychic, and I really was feeling psychic at the time, and I just had this thing, I'm like, you guys are either from New Mexico or Ohio. I remember that. I mean, there was something, so like, and you grew up in? Ohio. Boom. It's true. And listen, what part of Ohio? Cleveland. Boom. Okay, so get this. It's, uh, shit. All right, this is a good one. This is going to tie it all together, and then I'm going to stop this. But, uh, oh, oh hey. hey. <laughs> Jesse's all right, sister's here. my sister is here. It's fine. You're no, fine. not at all. So we're getting to the good part of this opening story, tying the whole Jonah Bear and Jesse Camp saga together. So... All right, so basically it was Saturday night. I was uh, I played a concert with this uh, one of my bands that I'm in in Chicago, and then I was but I I was in my own car, and so I'm driving my car back to New York, like uh, and I left Chicago at like 9 a.m. Bottom line, uh, you know, it was the Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, after party and Bruce Springsteen, and it was going to be a fun night. Um, so long story short, it's kind of like that song Detroit Rock City by Kiss, except I didn't die. But what I'm getting to is, so I'm like cruising down the highway to New York City for like epic Saturday night. And then about like 6.45 at night, um, (laughs) I get a flat tire. No big deal. Uh, I got AAA, so I was totally good, you know, uh, got the spare on and also got a lecture about... The ins and outs of Jethro Tull by a very stoned AAA driver who also had a flute with him in his tow truck. But nonetheless, uh, didn't want to. I'm thinking it's like now at this point, it's like almost 830. You know, do I drive like the 400 miles to New York on a spare or no? Right. That's not a good idea. (laughs) Think you're only supposed to drive them like 50 miles or anything. Right. Well, flash forward, can't do anything about it till Sunday, found an epic, epic place called Tire's Discount, not to be confused with Discount Tire, the national (laughs) chain. Tire Discount is run by a guy named Arab. No, not Arab. Oh, my gosh. He's from Jordan, but he's really gangster, like a Dearborn, Michigan, you know, guy from Iran. 
I get four new tires because they have an all-wheel vehicle for only $160. Now, uh, (laughs) basically, long story short, that's an outrageous price for four. They were hot tires, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I know what you mean. But anyway, so I finally, yo, so long story short, I did not go to the Saturday Night Live after party, but Marisha was there, and it was an epic night, and then you sent me a very cool video. What I'm getting to with all this is that I had you on my mind this weekend, and isn't it crazy? Where I broke down was the town of Streetsboro, Ohio. Yes, I know exactly where that is. And you know how it's like there's there's like a Walmart supercenter there and like a Home Depot. But long story short, I finally got my tire fixed around like, 5 o'clock, you know, I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to do some thrift store shopping because that's, that's my big vice, thrift store junkie. And had you on my mind, I knew that I would be uh, here on Tuesday, hopefully, um, and that we're doing the podcast tonight. And so, long story short, this is a happy Hanukkah gift oh from God. me to you. Thank yes. you so much. This is from a thrift store in Ohio. Describe it, Jonah. Describe it. Whoa. This is awesome. This is a really cool this is a really cool. You jacket. gotta flip it. Whoa. Bobcat. Bobcats. <laughs> Boom. Thank you, man. Ohio you, Bobcats dude. jacket. I really appreciate it. That's very nice of you. Oh, of course. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cause Amazing. Hanukkah has passed. Yeah. Has it? Let's go to our um. <laughs> It has. Okay. Let's see. I wanted to... I really... We have a couple special guests, too. The violin player from Kansas who has an eye patch is coming in. For real? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know his name. Is this really happening? Can we we go to our research department? We'll get a name later. But I hope that wasn't a big long wind Like, how did you meet him? What? Is the, the, the violinist from Kansas, he's just hanging out? Yeah, he is because um, Prague Nation does a podcast across the street ah. in the Beanery Barn. It's competing with the Converse Rubber Studios. Wow, oh, I didn't know they're rival songs. Oh, hell teams. yeah. Beanery Barn is taking over the latte game here in Brooklyn and parts of uh, South Bronx. I and feel so, a war coming on. <laughs> yo, they got some heavy hitters over there. Tim <laughs> Allen's doing a podcast out oh, of there. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's on. Mm. And the entire cast of Different Strokes, <laughs> the surviving people, they've all banded together and they're doing a podcast. I'm on a Conrad Bain, RIP. Did somebody put, mush- yes. somebody put mushrooms in my granola bar for no. real? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do you think? So Should we just do a spare mic and I'll, like, I, I think uh, let, we'll figure it out. Okay. Oh, no, no. I don't, think don't, we're okay. Don't, don't, don't. No, then don't. Jesse, what'd you bring the rest of us? Hey, say what? What did you bring oh, the rest of gift us? gift-wise? <laughs> well, um, just onion. a lot of wit and good stories. I was going to say. Uh, beautiful. That's all we well, want. Speaking of good stories, I don't know if you know, Stephen was a VJ for a long time. Oh, cool. And so I thought you guys maybe could talk about some VJ stuff because I feel like it's kind of a lost art a little bit. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a littered and storied career we've had. Well, here's, here's how I know about you, Jesse, is... Um, I don't know if what her, her married name is Amanda Schatz Gataev, but did you know Amanda Schatz at MTV? Oof. 
I feel like I did shots with Amanda Schatz. <laughs> of course you did. She was one of the casting directors when you did the wannabe uh, VJ competition. Oh, cool. And, and she told me stories about like being like, well, like, like this guy and Dave Holmes. It has to be them too. Like, like they have to be part of the whole package. Like they're both so good. Like it has to work out. And but then I remember, you good know, good things come in pairs. Totally, dude. Totally, dude. And you guys balls are like both for one. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Unless you're of one us. of the one in twenty nine million men that have three balls. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and do they have a lot of sperm? Oh, they do. Where'd that statistic come up from? Um, the almanac of dick stories. Can you, if you have three balls, can you donate one of them to somebody that's underprivileged? Yeah, like would you donate to someone with testicular cancer? That seems selfish if you don't. Ooh, these are tough questions. <laughs> You're the one bringing the knowledge. Well, all right. <laughs> I had not known that there was a. If I had to judge math as this, I would say, <laughs> you know what? I mean, shit. Maybe we can find a way to like genetically engineer and modify dicks. I mean, think about what companies like Sasantos are doing with our food. You know, the thing Neil Young hates. I don't know their name. I'm really butcher of that. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean? Neil like, where, yeah, balls. Man, I got off on a tange. Um, <laughs> oh, not at all. But We, no, we often end up with testicles here. It's easy. You're absolutely right. I forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think this all came from talking about how good things come in pairs. Ketchup it's and mustard. True. It's true. Salt and pepper. Hey, what, what word? What was, your, what was your tenure at MTV? How long were you there? Oh, man. That's, um, that's a good question. <laughs> But one that has a definitive answer. <laughs> but I was there for like about a year and uh, and a half. But then I kind of made I kind of made guest appearances. Mm -hmm. But you know, I I was there full time a year. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Now, did you get to play music while you were doing that too, or was it just straight up hosting? Yeah, I mean that was still. It's gonna be hard to beat that that year of like 1998 to 1999 because I mean. Talk about doing everything all in once. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I recorded the album um, produced by like Rob Cavallo, who is like oh, Green yeah. Day American Idiot. Rob. And Julian Raymond was the co-producer and he's gone on to do all Cheap Trick stuff. And uh, he did all that uh, Glenn Campbell stuff that, uh, you know, his last albums before he... Right, the Alzheimer's right, right. really kicked in. Was that album on Reprise? Is that why you, Rob did it? No, it was... Wow, I mean, this is a podcast. I <laughs> Again, one other thing is that I, I did find myself listening to a lot of episodes of Talk is Jericho, the podcast, <laughs> which is really underrated. It's my second favorite podcast. <laughs> of course, my Jericho? first is this one. <laughs> yes, right answer. That's Chris Jericho's podcast? Yeah, I mean, we could give I him a plug. I love that, dude. <laughs> but hey, super quick, is there a telephone number here that people can call into the studio and they, be part of the there podcast? Is somebody on? can call in. We could we could put them on speakerphone over here. Okay, or you could call them if you want. Well, I'll tell you what, we don't have to do that right now. But I mean, there's a chance. How long is the podcast? Or do how you, long do you want it to be? Do you guys? If I'm so down to go for a two parter, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I warrant it, and I'll tell you why, because I'm being honest from the heart. This is a really magical time you guys are getting me at, because I'm on the cusp of, uh, after really being retired from the business, 
of entertainment. Yeah, I got a lot of huge, huge projects that I'm really excited about. And my sister and I have been working nonstop this year on a brand new show called Born to Rock and Roll. And it's basically like half travel show and then half interviews with musicians and, um, and, uh, you know, friends and, and, you know, and there are some occasional fake commercials and, <laughs> you know, and... So it's just an excuse to uh, travel around the world and... Yeah. Sounds good. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's a really cool <laughs> show, but then we got, we have really, we have some great in here. You know what? I'm being a douche coming on here <laughs> and then talking <laughs> all about this. Oh my Lord. Forget no, that. So I got awesome. this, we got this awesome show that we're working on and, um, yeah. And so... No, I feel real. I'm not um, you can a self-promoter. You, you can talk about yeah, whatever you then want. Then I'll talk man. about my cookbook next. It's, um, <laughs> listen, you know what? I'll tell you this. Paula Dean writes cookbooks. It's what the woman does. But she's always had a ghostwriter working with her. And, um, it was you? Well, it wasn't for her most successful books, but I'll tell you this. After her scandal, a lot of people in the ghostwriting industry didn't want to work with her. So I got the call, and I'm really, really excited about Paula Dean with Jesse Camp. Whoa. Presents Southern Cooking Done Right in the BBQ Stew. It's a good reading. Really? Yep, that's another project. What? Give me give me a good like recipe. What's a good recipe from this? Man, book? if you really like gumbo with a kick, yeah. you're going to love this recipe. <laughs> Wait, what, Paula? Don't give it out. <laughs> Can't we just give them one? No, don't call me that. <laughs> Um, my name is not Cornbread, Paula. Okay. Um, I, for legality, I guess I cannot give out any recipes from this book. <laughs> we understand. You're going to have to take my word for it. They are delish. All right. Yeah. And then I'm, uh, yeah. Then I got a new series on PBS with Ken Burns. Of course. It's uh, pretty that one fantastic. I, did, I had heard about that one, actually. Yeah. It's a 10 parter. <laughs> um, oh, you don't have to. Well. <laughs> Oh, okay. We're going to capture some great moments. In fact, yo, we also have an E! Entertainment reality show with the Madden brothers, Joel and Benji. And I play their next door neighbor, Hernando. I know, weird name. And um, yeah, that's exciting. And, whoa, the crew are here now. I'm just filming a moment of it from my bad side. But uh, <laughs> it's all good. I'm excited about this stuff. But listen, this is a podcast... Especially any kind of radio broadcast. I love being a part of it, but I got to say, when you got four guys together, it's a team. Yes. And I've been hogging the ball. And I'm, Jonah hasn't even said like a word the whole show yet. And so what I'm saying is like a team. We all work together for this epic two-parter. I'm glad we got hot coffee coming. Man, I'm, know that we I'm so it. honored, too, that this show. I mean, you guys have had big guests on here. And like a who's who of emo core and screamo core. And then also like William Shatner. And, you know. We're still waiting on him. Oh, I'm still waiting on. I might have misread. I've, I've interviewed Shatner. Have you interviewed Shatner, Jesse? <laughs> no. I I I I've, I've done I've done the hat trick. I've been fired from Fuse, VH1, and MTV. So when I was, you at look MTV, really familiar. We did. Jonah and I did a show on Fuse for years. Stephen's Untitled Rock Show. And Stephen was the host. Oh. If you watch that show, it was a huge fan. Well, thank you, thank you. Enjoy you. Oh, as well. this is really cool. 
Yeah, we John, John and I, we started the podcast with Brad a few years ago, but due to me being a full-time dad, Jonah does the the lion's share of the work and Brad does 100% of the technical stuff and also co-hosts and has fun. But we did that show forever and this kind of evolved out of it. But I was at MTV when they started doing online stuff and I did all these comic book conventions. And one of the first things I did was I had to sit down with Shatner and it was, I had heard awful things. Couldn't have been cooler. You ever have an interview like that where you heard like someone was crazy and then you sit down with them and they're just like awesome as hell? Yeah, yeah. Um, for like you sure. Have a good way of, you have a good way of disarming people. I don't think you, did you, ever, you ever had like a bad interview experience talking with somebody? Well, that's just the thing. I mean, um, right now I was just really like, you know, doing the hogging, but I mean, I, you know, inter- interviewing people, I think that uh, some of the masters are definitely like Howard Stern. And, oh my God, um, he's the greatest. Yeah, and you're fantastic too. I mean, I guess the only way to know how I interview would be just to do a quick interview with Jonah now. Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay, super quick. But Steve, this is a demo interview, so I will keep it under 90 seconds. Okay. We're timing you and go. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, the man to my right needs no introduction, but you know I'm a ham, so I'm going to give it anyway. He is the fucking man, yo. From United Nations, I'm talking about the guitar player, the dragon slayer, Jonah Bear. (laughs) What's up, Jesse? How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, I'm happy to have you here. So, yo, the third album by United Nations, is it coming out? It's going to be coming out. Yeah, we reissued our first album last year. Um, And, yeah, we're writing it now, sort of. Hopefully at the end of this year. We'll see. Yeah. End of 2016. End of 2016, yeah. Oh, man, fantastic. I'm not saying that you guys are like a Chinese democracy band, (laughs) but we're kind of waiting on it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's been a couple years. But, man, it's cool hearing about the reissue of the first album. I mean, one of the things, of course, that's so dope about that is the original album cover with the Beatles. On fire, very limited. I think there are only a thousand of them, and they're long gone. I have one at my parents' house, so... Okay, so it's a real collector's <laughs> yeah, item. Yeah, yeah, and all that artwork is actually in the reissue. There's big fold-outs, so you can get that back. Yo, this is fantastic. Yeah, it's cool. Much like Bruce Springsteen's new The River Box set, this is going to be a deluxe package. Any unreleased material? Um, I don't think so, but I think it's like remastered or something. Yeah. Well, Jonah, I'm excited about that, but I mean, getting back to the roots of it... Hey, listen, I hope I don't scare you that I know a little of your backstory. But, yo, if you're going to interview someone, and, yo, if you dig someone, you kind of got to know the facts. So, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes. A young man. We're men, so we can say our age. You came up in the early 90s? Yeah, I'm 36 now. Oh, shit, snap. I am 36. (laughs) Boom, that's an interview skill right there, doing something that's relatable. I knew Jonah was 36. See, being a good interviewer is much like being a good defense lawyer. You know what I mean? I'm leading the witness right here. Okay, back to the story at hand. Jonah, I am such a microphone hogger. Um, I... Totally dig the Cleveland area. I mean, from Shakers Heights to Avon to um, Kettering to Streetsboro to, uh, man, there's a lot of cool towns around there. Oh, man. Headquarters of Sunoco, the gas company. That's dope. But, I mean, wow. So, like, 
And of course, you know, what are, um, well, shit, I'm trying to paint a picture of Cleveland, but I think Cleveland's a really dope spot. It's crazy. It's kind of like part Erie, Pennsylvania and Buffalo vibe, but then it's also got the Ohio vibe. It's, it's its own kind of thing. Anywho, can you tell me a little about, um, growing up when you first got in, into music and when you first started playing guitar and kind of your early bands and just kind of like your journey with music? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I started playing guitar when I was like 13. I started uh, a punk band called Plug. When I was like 16, we played our high school talent show and got kicked out for starting a mosh pit. <laughs> and they said they were going to cancel the entire talent show from then on because, uh, it was so chaotic. And then I was in a band called uh, DAF Militia with these two twins that had Mohawks, and we would cover like the Misfits, Gigi Allen, that kind of stuff. And yeah, that was sort of my, where my journey started. I was really into like no effects, a lot of, like that epitaph t- type stuff. Gotcha. But also Gigi Allen, which we were talking about earlier, like the early stuff with the Jabbers, like love that stuff, Band in Boston, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the David Allen Coe of punk rock, kind of. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and that. Hey, we may if we're doing a two parter, we definitely gotta gotta um gotta get this guy in here. Marisha, is he, there any way he, you can see if Mike He's denied? here. There's a the guy's here. Who? Is an artist here? There's somebody out there with glasses who says that he's here for the podcast. Can we Do you want me to bring him in? Yeah. yeah I just wanted to check before I Hey, we didn't want to break up the flow. When, not at all. Listen. Can you check on his uh, coffee for Jesse yeah, too? Oh, man, I'm getting the royal treatment here. I, I just I love you guys to death already and I just Oh, thanks, man. This is going to be a magical podcast. I feel it tonight. Steve, a huge fan of of you. I'm going to surrender my mic and put it over Okay. Here. <laughs> oh yeah, well let me get out of the way then so he can talk. You guys can probably sit together. Can we, I, should, dude, can we get dude, this is I don't. Oh, I, 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 I don't want to miss it, but I don't know how how long I can. No, hang. no, it's not. Okay, if just you get it on us. It's okay. Whatever you got to do. Like right. if you if you got to split. Hey, well, but I, I think do we're not want to miss this. Steve, 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 do not split. Because <laughs> uh, hold on, we can. We I really want to get. In, you have some great stories, and it'd be an honor to hear some. Oh, dude, no, this is about you, my friend. You, you, you are here for us. Well, I like everything that's coming out. This is awesome. He's always got good. Oh man, I always got good <laughs> shit coming out. Really positive twos. I just want to hear about. You said that you were like semi-retired. Like, I want to hear what was it that that drew you back? Oof, man. Um, I don't really want to get into my relationship with the Lord here. I mean, I don't think this is a Christian broadcast. No, not at all. But I mean. When better than now to talk about my faith? Um, Jesus told me, get out of the entertainment industry. I mean, it was dirty, you know. I, uh, I started on the top in 1998, and, you know, there's only, you know, nowhere to go but down. I mean, towards the end, I was lucky to get a guest spot on The Bold and Beautiful, you know, as Ridge Forrester's Gardner Hernando. And it's a name that stuck. And what I'm getting at is this. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some low points. I've seen some bathroom floors. And then the Lord Jesus Christ said to me, you know, I, I just like, I was at my lowest point, man. I was up to like a 10,000 a day crack habit. 
Um, you know, I was um, dressing up as Wheezy Jefferson uh, in West Hollywood in a production of The Jeffersons Go Wild. And uh, it was just, I was like, man, when better than that? Okay, I'm going to stop this fake testimony. I love Jesus like everyone else, but I'm kind of like where the Doobie Brothers were on it. You know, Jesus, he's all right, you know. I'm totally down. Anyway, Steve, the... Uh, before we... Brian Van Welch is like stabbing something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we got a good we we're good friends with Corn. I hate being a name dropper, but you know, uh, Brian Head Welsh. Yeah, I think I was basing that a little on him, just giving a, a testimony. But no, I love Jesus and everything. No, Steve, to answer your question honestly, um, the real truth of it is, is that no, I mean, um, you know, I had some stuff that I kind of had to deal with you know i had like a six-year-old son that i hadn't seen in years and um man it was just time to really like you know put the brakes on the crazy lifestyle i mean you know my last real real gig was ringling and barnum and bailey circus you know and um for real a child or no 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 i have no children yet no and i mean the The seed (laughs) has not been spread Oh, listen, if, you know, I could get a fake Harvard doctorate, maybe. Aren't they all? What I meant by that is that's a qualification now to give sperm. Am I right, Jonah? Uh, I don't know. Is, is that maybe? I haven't tried. Oh, I guess I'm the only guy here that, um, you know, went to a sperm bank. No, Steve, to, to answer your question, um, I honestly, um, listen... It, this is the only part of the show where I'll be serious, but I've come, it's been like six and a half years now, so um, I think that's a good amount of time to, you know, be away from it, but like basically like towards my, uh, well, towards like the end of my late 20s, I um, I was a pretty bad drug addict, and that, I'm, honestly, I'm being real about, and I'm being sincere, no more joking, I'll be totally real, and so basically, you know, I had... Um, I'd gotten in trouble before in California. I got, honestly, if you want to get to, like, crazy stories, I got great ones. Um, You know, I was actually, uh, long story short, like, I started doing uh, speed, like, when I was, like, about 23. And then I kind of kept at that till I was about 29. And I wasn't, like, you know, uh, um, a shooter or, like, a... uh, You know, like a smoker. You know, I just do lines of it, like, people do coke, but... Um, I mean, anywho, so basically, like, when I was 29, you know, I, well, oh, yeah, great story, though, is, um, I'm just thinking about it, because it's, it's, it's really crazy, I, um, I've been friends with Scott Weiland for, like, um, probably since, I think, 2003, or, yeah, I think since then, and we were actually, so the first time I got busted in California, and California is where I live, um, but I'm here in New York a lot because my sister and I work together on the show. And, you know, this is where all my family is from, from here in New England. But long story short, yeah. Um, uh, so I had gotten busted for the first time for possession. And, um, well, like my sentence the uh, first time was like uh, a three-month rehab program. And then that was kind of it and probation. But then the second time I got busted, I had a harsher sentence. I got like a... Um, like a six months, uh, but I had to do it like in a sober living house. But 
um, there's this great organization called uh, Music Cares uh, that's run through the Grammys. And so, you know, they basically, if you're a musician or what have you, they'll help, um, you know, get you treatment. And so I was living in this uh, house. Well, one of the guys, I, I can't say who he was, but basically, like, I was, you know, it was a really cool six months because I was living in this, like, sober living house, but it was, like, all musicians and, like, uh, and Scott Weiland was one of them. And so I got to know him kind of really well. And then we, I really kind of, um, you know, hung with him a lot over the years. And then basically, like, the last time I saw him was, um, like, a week and a half before he died. Oh, and, man, I'm so sorry. Uh, man, Am I just over talking here, telling all these no, things? Dude, I feel no, dude, like that's your friend. I mean, you know, that's yeah. But I feel like I'm a, I'm together, a hog so. in the podcast, Steve. Oh, please, dude. No, no, wait, not. So, did did those experiences work? Like, are you in a good spot now? Oh, you- yes. Yeah, so that's I'm. Well, it sounds like I might have some memory problems there that I lost the subject matter we were talking about. It's just that Scott. Um, yeah, we were, my sister and I were just in Chicago, um, shooting some music videos for one of my, um, musical projects and, uh, uh, Scott Weiland was in town and he was like playing this like weird show out at the Arcada. It's just really weird too, because I've known Tommy Black for a whole lot of years too. And he's, uh, the nicest guy in the world. And, you know, it's crazy how that all went down, that that the cops arrested him at first, but the charges were dropped. But that was a horrible time for him, I mean, because it's like Tommy Black was Scott Weiland's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. Am I being born? Do you guys kind of know the people no. I'm talking about? I feel like, hey, I don't mean to be like Courtney Love, like, just, like, going out this thing and, like, hijacking it and, and talking all about stuff. But, um, but it, man, just, I knew him. I guess, guys, the thing that I'm trying to get at and the and the reason why it hits me so heavy is because we were talking about sobriety, right? And so, and my, and my journey with that, you know, listen, I still smoke pot, you know, um, but, you know, really not, not all that much. I mean, but, I, I really like, as I'm far as, like, that I really anything heavy, you know, nothing ever again, like, you know, um, but, or, you know, whatevs, but, like, yeah. speed is the thing that I will never, ever touch ever again in my life, and that's that's the truth with it, and so, long story short, I got sober from speed, like, in 2009, and so, and what was crazy is I got sober, I wasn't on, I didn't have any legal things or anything, but I was just at this place when I was 29 where I'm like, okay, you know, um, you're about to be 30, it's time to kind of get your your shit together and so you know kind of like that's you know when i started uh well yeah and that's when i got sober and then um yeah but when i got sober you know i kind of um yeah you know um took some time you know just to kind of live life and stuff and um, what were you doing were you working were you making money did you have money like how'd that happen like how was how was your life oh yeah i mean well i don't i really don't want to get into the specifics of how i come by my wealth being honest with you um i do some shady things but nothing really illegal i'm just joking around no i managed a couple um pizza hut taco bells which was really a rewarding experience you know i mean it was just a total erica badu move you know what i mean you like you just you get sober (laughs) advantage of pizza hut taco bell while raising your baby with eric andre you know it's it's what you do 
And oh my God, coffee. Thank you. Brought to <laughs> us by our amazing sponsor. Guys, the show is brought to you by Organic Valley uh, Whole Milk. Yes, I would, <laughs> Jonah, I would love some Organic Valley Whole Milk in my coffee. Don't give this man coffee for the love of God. Oh, man. <laughs> you guys, I tell a lot Funny of tall man. tales here on this show. I mean, the thing about me is I'm a Scorpio, and I figured this out. And When's your birthday? It is November 4th. Mine's November 15th. So you are a Scorp. Oh, yeah. You're November 7th. Horny and full of anxiety. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I'm September. We're close. We're very close. I'm, I'm a little older than you. I'm like a month older. But I, I know where you're coming from because <laughs> I'm in very similar shoes. Your shoes came out in, t- in September. I came out in November. But the important thing is we made it into the 70s, which That's is true. great. That is true. But, um, Steve, no, I mean, the thing is, is that honestly, um, yeah, sometimes, you know, you have to take a break from stuff. Yeah, no, that story about getting sober is true. And then, you know, um, I, um, I will say this, you know, like, yeah, not everything I've done. You know what? The thing is, I'm in a, I'm in a great position now because I got, I got a lot of money in the bank, how I procured it, that need not be discussed. But the thing is, I'm I'm financially really solid and you know, I've managed to keep the same apartment in uh, in LA for like oh my god, for like fifteen years. So that's a miracle too. Are you are you a shrewd investor? Is that where this comes from? Yes, that's a great way of putting it. That is a perfect way of putting it. I cannot say what I invested in, but that is it. And, you know, if the, you see, I just don't want the IRS coming after me, you know. They will find you, dude. Trust me. Oh, if they great. can get Capone, man, you be careful. I'm just kidding. If the IRS comes after me, um, they're just going to, you know, trace it back to a bogus shareholding in the Bermudas. I'm cool. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, get, I'll, get that Steve, shit either the Caymans, way. Man. Steve, the, the, here's the real thing is that no, um, I honestly, I found myself drawn to the Dalai Lama. So basically, uh, I get sober and then age 30, I'm like, I got to go to Tibet. And like things this, like, this is really crazy. It's crazy, man. Uh, this is crazy, man. This Did is a you crazy one. Tibet? Well, what I was going to say is, so I go walking in Tibet in the mountains, like, and this is, oh, back, like, five years ago, and, like, man, three years later, like, boom, I'm still walking around, like, in the mountains out there, you know, um, just getting really spiritual. I didn't talk for, like, two and a half years. I Tibet, you did. Well, no, no, I did not, and then, you know... Would luck be a lady tonight? Yes, it would because then who you're gonna would, drop some guys and who would happen? Do? Who would happen to like drop by Tibet to play a special concert? But Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips, and then before I know it, I'm locked in his compound for two years, and then flash forward to January when I was finally released, and then boom. I felt like the West Memphis Three. You know, I was back in the high life again, and we started work on this TV show. My pilot with Bill Cosby got scrapped. That was a setback, but, you know, for good reason. And, uh, yeah, you know, just uh, Jack Ritter was probably the best Three's Company cast member, Steve. I'm not going to deny that. I'm a fan of Mr. Roper and Larry, but no, Steve, you're right. Jack Tripper all the way. You know, man, rest in peace, John. Rest in peace. Yes. 
I hope that um, you're having fun. I'm Are you looking... more of a threes company or a threes a crowd guy? Be honest. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a special. That I'm not <laughs> dodging the question. I believe threes a crowd could either be a show with Ted Knight, but I think that's called Too Close for Comfort. I'm saying that Three's a Crowd is the show that came after where it was him and his father-in-law and his wife. Well done, well done. Boom. But listen, we're all Jeffrey Tambor fans here who's going to be on the next episode of this show, and he's going to be talking about his new Netflix series, Trans America. I'm sorry, Transparent is the name of that <laughs> fine. He's a parent and he's trans. And it also transcends what you expect from a comedy drama. It's maybe some of Jeffrey Tambor's best work. And Jeffrey Tambor is going to be here on the next episode of... Going Off Track. Going Off Track. And that was a perfect example of Going Off Track. Dude, but, Jesse, Steve, we got a really real special quick, guest real here. Can you see this man over here? I can see I him. I know that Joan is a huge Gigi Allen fan. This True. is one of my vet best, 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 best friends in the world. We were together in Jesse and the 8th Street Kids. And if there is ever a Jesse and the 8th Street Kids reunion, no doubt it's going to be us two doing it. I Dude, Jesse, could not Jesse, be more hold proud. On, hold on, Jesse. Jesse, yeah. hold on, hold on. Yes, I, I have to go. I'm so sorry. Oh. I want to listen to you forever because I love it. You guys have the best rest of the podcast. This was awesome. Well, is it Steve? Are you in New Jersey? You live there. Represent. Now, how did you? Um, are you? Were, did you work in New York continuously through your career? Um, I started in L.A. and then mostly New York. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was at Fuse for a while and MTV and for Fuse a while. And Fuse is right across the street from Madison Square Garden. Yes. Yes, yes indeed. I always got Steve's Entitled Rock Show confused with like 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 a show that Steve-O hosted. But then I would like watch more of it and I'd always be like, yeah, this is a different show. This is kind of cool. Yeah, no one's stapling their testicles to anything. No. Again, I think if we can glean one thing from today's going off the tracks, it's, yo, it's testicular cancer. It's a real thing. Check your balls. <laughs> Jesse, but thanks so much. Final thing, Steve, fun. because uh -oh. you're from New Jersey, I know that like when you go out tonight on the New Jersey Parkway, you know, you're going to be surrounded by those great people of the Garden State. So let's give a couple shout-outs to some of our favorite towns in the Garden State. Linden, New Jersey. All right, Paramus, Edison, New Brunswick, South Amboy, Perth Amboy, Brick, Wall, uh, Newark, <laughs> Jersey City. Uh, boom, let's go near Philly. Uh, we got, like, Springfield, Vauxhall, Cherry Hill. Camden. Camden. And... Oh, man, speaking of Camden, Mike Denai just got back from there with a great lunch pail. Hell yeah, this is a score. I'm off the rails. No, Be well, buddy. Steve, go. you're amazing. We got to visit you sometime in Jersey. All right. Yes. Have fun. Later. Okay. <laughs> Boom. Boom. So how long have you been off that crack? <laughs> <laughs> Should we? Yeah, do it. Because, um, Joan, I know you're a huge... And so this is just great because Mike and I have known each other forever. And, I, you know, I met we met when we were like... Well, I was like 18. And Mike and his brother, Joey, like used to just completely run the East Village in, in 1999. And Mike played with uh, Gigi Allen. And I know you're a big Gigi Allen fan. I am. So yes. I, Mike, you got to meet Jonah. Good to meet you. What's happening, man? 
Right. You got to come up to the mic. Move it to you. Oh, that's better. Um, were you so? Were you at the? I know, like the so, the DJ Allen shows here were so legendary. Like at, at the gas station. The gas station show I set up with a guy Rob McDonald. Really? Yeah, that's my band, The Denied a band I was playing with at the time. I play bass for them. Um, we opened for them in that for that show, and I. Um, we set it up because when Gigi got out of, like, when they got back into New York after he was locked up and they did the Hated movie and all that shit, um, his brother Merle, who was living down in Chinatown, which is who Gigi always stayed with, was moving up to 24th Street, so he needed a place to stay. So he ended up staying with me because I was talking to him, like, you know, just the whole way about booking the shows and shit like that. And we ended up writing a bunch of shit together, and we were going to start a band called Louis Side of Scum. And, you know, did a bunch, like, we were writing stuff, he was staying there, that he died right after the gas station show. And um, I happened to have broke my guitar player's arm in the Denied that night, getting into a fight with him, so the Denied was about to end, too. Um, actually, it was earlier, before the show, if you watch the video, if you ever seen the Denied footage, which is out there, Merle puts it out, the guitarist in the Denied is playing with the cast and his guitar pick duct taped to his fingers. Wow. <laughs> but, um, because of that, like, Merle was gonna, um, that's why we ended up getting on the, uh, they brought us in for the memorial show where they had Jeff Clayton from Anti-Scene singing. And our singer from the Denied actually happened to get stuck in Pittsburgh. And since I wrote all the shit and everything, we went on as a three-piece with me singing. And Merle got to hear me for the first time with that. So, and he liked it. And he was going to break the band up. The Murder Junkies thing, he had gotten Mike from Mike Hudson from the Pagans. He did like a show and Hudson couldn't deal with it. Left right, like right after the show, quit the band. And Merle was just going to wrap it at that and just call it a fucking day. And then the Brutality record came out and he got such a response from it. You know, people saying how that was the best record Gigi had done and this and that. And I mean, Merle had been in all of, like, the best Gigi material, like, over the years. Merle, like, a lot of people don't realize that Merle was the bass player and the writer for most of that shit. So the songs were just as much his. You know, so he, um... He wasn't gonna keep going with the band, and then he actually found, through some of, um... Gigi's old stuff, a tape that we had done. And he heard it, and he was like, it was the first time that he said he couldn't tell what was his brother and what was me, like what we wrote and what parts we were singing. So he wanted to know if I'd be interested in trying out for that. And I told him the murder junk, the uh, deny just broke up. So I tried, I tried out for them. When I got to the rehearsal, you know, they were always one of my favorite bands anyway. You know, all the Gigi stuff from Murder Junkies in particular. So when we got to the rehearsal, you know, he was like, what songs do you want to do this and that? And I was like, just do your set list. And I blew through the whole set list. We had a, and he just, he told you, like, he took me on the spot. We had our first show, like, three days later. We were on tour, fucking, within a couple, like, maybe a month. And then we came back, we recorded the Feed My Sleeves record. Then we were playing on and off. We did um, Right to Remain Violent, a bunch of comps. And um, that was it. Then we stopped playing for a while because I got locked up for, for a year. Um, came back. Then um, I got back with them for um, in, what was it, like 2000? Well, it was the uh, 11th anniversary of Gigi's death. We did a tour with the Jabbers and the Murder Junkies because it was his first band and his last band. And the Jabbers had Wimpy from the Queers singing, which they were awesome with Wimpy. It was really wow, good. Cool. Yeah, and... Um, 
I just went good with that. And then um, when we got back, Merle had moved and I had moved at the same time. I lost my phone. I didn't have a way to get in touch with him. And he sent people looking for me, trying to find me in the city. And if you know Merle, he's a piss ass. He takes it like it's a personal insult. Like, you know. So it's like we lost ways. And then he moved out to California and got, I got locked up again. Went to prison for a little bit, came out, and um, got my new band, The Deceivers, with my brother, splitting vocals with me. It's, it's almost like an all-star band to the Lower East Side, because on drums, we got John Lynch, who'd been, who's like been in like every major hardcore and punk band out of New York. He was in like SFA, Yuppie Side, The Blank 77. Like just a, I mean, just a huge list of bands. He's also we, David Lynch's nephew. They, wow. Most people don't know that. Wow. We got Dead Dean on guitar, and just everything, me and my brother on vocals, and it's fun. We had our first show um, a couple weeks ago. It went good. And, um, yeah, that's it. That's amazing. What was what was Gigi kind of like as a person? Gigi was fucking awesome. People think, like, it was an act, this and that. Gigi was what he was. What you saw was Gigi. But it depended on how you acted to him. Like, if you told, like, Gigi would have people, like, fans, like, kiss, kissing his ass, following him around, and like, yo, stay with us, stay with us, and he'd be like, you know, and they'd be annoying him, and he'd be like, fine, I'll hang out, party at your house, but I'm gonna fucking take a shit on your couch and steal your TV, and then they'd laugh, ah, oh, yeah, all right, come on over, and then they'd be pissed in the morning when there was a pile of shit on their couch and their TV was gone, <laughs> you know? Right, right. But it's like, if you just told yeah. him to, it was like it, like it was, like... <laughs> you know, like for the, not the gas station show, that almost didn't happen because nobody wanted to let him use equipment, this and that. They denied because I was also doing security for the show because I set it up. Um, and he, we let him use our equipment, but I told him right up. I was like, Gigi, I will beat your fucking ass if you fuck that equipment up. And he laughed. He liked it, you know, because it was like he wasn't used to, you know, people doing that. Like, and for example, even the night before the show, we were hanging out getting fucked up. And he's like, you know, well, you can score some coke or whatever. I'm like, yeah, sure. But again, we go up there and we get to the place. I'm getting mine. And he's like, all right, get me like however many. And I'm like, like all right. And he's standing there looking at me. He's like, what are you waiting for? I was like, the money, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like so used to everybody kissing his ass that if you were just like real with him, he was great. I mean, first the first time he stayed at my place, which is right on six between... Um, B and C on the Lower East Side, which is actually right across the street from where I live now. <laughs> Crazy. You know, with we're partying all night, getting fucked up, whatever. You know, my roommates are there. They leave me and him are up all night. Next morning, I hear fucking clanking and banging around. I'm like, what is this motherfucker doing now? <laughs> so I got a loft bed. I kind of hang my head, looking. Dude's got a garbage bag in his hand, collecting all the old forties and all the shit. He's like, oh, I'm just cleaning up. You know, I was gonna go down and get um some eggs and uh, egg sandwiches and some coffee. You want something when I bring the garbage? garbage down i'm like hey sure who the fuck would have thought gg allen cleaned up my living room after we partied <laughs> so it was really how you how you acted towards him because he was straight up everything about him was real he was what he was but he you got from him what you put into it you're gonna kiss his ass and again go whatever he would he'd have no respect for you and he'd be like fuck it but he'd tell you what he was gonna do you know, and if you told him straight out, like with the equipment, yeah, I will beat your ass if you fuck that equipment up. He'd laugh at it and be like, all right, that's cool, and didn't fuck with it. You know? Just that's how he was. He was a cool guy. He, he was really good. Were you around when um, Todd was filming the Hated stuff? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Like, definitely. That's, that's, I mean, 
Yeah, I was actually <laughs> there. Because the way I got into the Murder Junkies, the way I got introduced to them originally, is um, through Didi Ramon. Because one of my early bands was, I played with the Whores of Babylon, which is a band with Didi Ramon, Johnny Thunders, and Stiv Baders. Where, um, and I had played with, and after that, like, when Stiv died, Johnny died, me and, um, Didi kept the band going where he went to vocals and guitar. I was playing bass the whole time because he didn't want to play bass. We had Michael Monroe from Hanoi Rocks for a while singing. Then Didi went back to vocals, whatever, and, um, we played for a long time and stayed friends till the day he died. I, I talked to him like three days before he died. He was about to come into the city um, the next week to have um, a showing at a gallery for some of his artwork and we were going to write some music. And then I called him the next day, like oh, two days later to verify it. And fucking Barbara, his wife, answered crying and he was dead. But that's how I got introduced to them. You know, so like... Where was Dee Dee living then? Dee Dee? Didi was actually at the time, bef- like when he was in New York. Right before he first, died. Oh, he was living in Hollywood. Oh. He had moved out there already with his wife, Barbara. Before that, he was staying at the Chelsea Hotel. And when I was playing with him originally with the Whores of Babylon, he had um, he was staying um, with his girlfriend at the time um, on, uh, was it 9th Street and 5th Avenue. But anyway, so he, he hooked me up with them. You know, and that that's that's how I met them, you know, originally. It's like, you know, he put me onto the number, you know, because he knew I was in, like, that kind of music I was into, and he was doing his own thing at the time, and he, he put me in touch with them. And then one night when, um, uh, when Gigi was out of jail, like, he had just gotten out, and Dee Dee was over at the house, and we called Gigi up to come over to my place on 6th Street, and we hit it off right away. And we started we started writing stuff that night, as a matter of fact. Wow. You know, so. That's fun. amazing. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I lived uh, for three months at Arturo Vega's loft. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like in Bowery. Yeah. He Is he the guy that did the work for the Ramones? Yeah, he did design the logo. Arturo, yeah. Yeah, he's, he passed away a couple of years ago. But yeah, he was an amazing guy, really great definitely. guy. Definitely. A lot of Didi's art was at the place, which is really yeah. cool. Oh, yeah, that's, I'm sorry, your question to begin with, the round for the Todd Phillips movie. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's how I was, because um, I was, you know, since I had met through Didi and everything, it's funny, the night Didi quit the band, actually, is the night they had that, um, they were doing a show at the bank on Houston. And um, it was going to be Dee Dee's like, first show with them, whatever. And Todd had all his equipment there to film Dee Dee playing because he had been in the studio with them but hadn't filmed any live stuff. And one of the guys there was talking all about like what Gigi was going to do that night. And this and that actually was Todd talking about this and that. And the owner had her- overheard Todd and didn't know exactly what the deal was with Gigi. And when everything that he overheard with Todd, he canceled the show right there. Oh, and Merle Todd then called. Oh, Merle called the club rather after Todd called him and found out that you know he was like, all right, well you could play, but you can't do this, that, that. You got to sign off. And Gigi was like, fuck you, I'm not signing nothing. You know, he's like, I'm gonna do what I do. I don't have me, so they didn't have me. They didn't have him. But during the mix up, Dee Dee was there already with Todd, with uh, Todd. And never knew the show was canceled. So now he's sitting there, and the show's canceled, and he's still waiting. And he just, he, for him, I think it became like, oh, is this kind of like things to come? Is every show going to be like this? And right. he just jetted out on it. And it was like, that was that. He didn't play no more. That's how that ended up. Interesting. Yeah. yeah that's why he left the band. 
Because it doesn't seem like... It seems like that was so of an era. Like, it doesn't seem like you could get away with that stuff now, right? Yeah, because, I mean, even the stuff we do and the stuff I do at my shows, it's like, I, like, take it to a level, but you, I don't think, I, I think, to be honest, people are so fucking pussified now. It's like everything. I mean, a little kid... You know, there was this thing, a parent just got sued a while back for a fucking verbal assault because a kid yelled something to another kid in a playground. It's like everybody's so hell-bent on, you know, lawsuits and can't do this. People would be suing left and right. right I mean, right. Listen, you know, Mike, as your lawyer, I have to remind <laughs> you that you did pretty well at that well, bike messenger hit and run two years ago. No, even That like, was a $2.9 million even, even settlement. Like, even like you went back... <laughs> to 6th <laughs> Avenue. Right. Sixth, you went back to 6th Street between B and C in the East Village <laughs> and bought me. a giant brownstone with from. this right. humongous lawsuit. So this right. seems a bit but, hypocritical. But even, even the early uh, Murder Junkie shows where I was playing, like we played a show there in um, Virginia. And some kid's, like, fucking around, keeps grabbing my mic stand, grabbing my mic stand. I'm like, I'm going to fuck you up. And fucking, you know, he kept doing it. And, like, the shows are crazy. It was like, you know, it's like Merle liked it. Like, the reason he took me is because I didn't do shit like Gigi, but I had the aggression, the violence, just the energy without being anything like like trying to copy him like everybody else was trying to do that tried out at the beginning when he was still going to do the band. But, like, I finally got fed up and I took the mic stand and, you know, like that fucking, that cast iron thing at the bottom of the stand, the circle, cracked him across it and ended up breaking the kid's collarbones. He got taken out of the show with his neck packed in sandbags and I'm like, all right, doing the usual shit, the band's distracting him while I'm out hiding in the fucking back of the van so he can get me the fuck out of there like usual. And Dino comes out, a drummer, and gets me, but he brings me back and he's like, yeah, that kid wants you. I'm like, what's he want? He's like, it's all right, the kid wants you. I go over, the kid's on the fucking stretcher. And he takes off this fucking army jacket that he's got with all like spikes and like fucking, you know, like plaid and like leopard print patches on all these bands and this and that. It was like, oh, this is my father's. He gave it to me. He had it when he was Vietnam in Vietnam. He's like, I just wanted to give this to you. It was the best show I've ever seen, I've ever been to. And here's the kid that's laying on a stretcher with his like sandbags on his neck, fucking giving me his jacket because it was the best show he ever been to. <laughs> that would never happen now. Fucking, right, right. I'd be in handcuffs with fucking a dozen lawsuits against me. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's... Eh. <laughs> it is what it is, eh? All right, now. This it is, is what it is, Jesse. <laughs> it is what it is, mate. You're very sparkly tonight, You are Jesse. very sparkly. Oof. I like it. I came dressed and pressed. Listen, I celebrate everything, so this vest I'm is... I'm sweating my fucking nuts. <laughs> <And> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hot in here. <laughs> I got like all these sweatshirts on because I was preparing for a miserable day because it looked dark and wet when it's, I left my house. It's so hot out. It is. Yeah. Holy it's unseasonably fuck. warm for this part of December. It is. You're right. Boom. But oh my God, that's better. Holy <laughs> fuck me with a stick. Man, just rocking the Henley is I all you need to do. <laughs> now, speaking of Don Henley, he has a brand new album out called Cass County. It's fantastic. It's Don doing 16 great country tracks with guest stars like Allison Krauss and Dolly Parton. In stars now, please get the Target oh, exclusive. Fucking, Boom. Who did fucking Cardiff Rose? That was an awesome song. Roger McGuinn. That's it, Roger McGuinn. Whoa. It's one of my favorite songs that ain't punk. <laughs> Do we say... 
Are you a fan of the birds? Yes. Okay, this is a great story. Oh my god. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just do this super quick. Do it, do it. Fun concert in the New York area this summer. So, you know, like a lot of times, again, I hate trying to be, not trying to be self-promotional at all, but, you know, doing this new show, we've been doing tons of interviews. A lot of times we do them on the fly, you know, people do favors or you call publicists, but, you know, it's it's just us two. So long story short, sometimes we have to kind of stalk people as well. But, you know, bottom line, we were trying to, okay, here's the story. It's really good. So I'm always looking on Song Kick, like what shows are coming through New York and playing in the head. And then like one day I saw, and it was like on that day, like on that very day, it was like Roger McGuid, but it was like Roger McGuinn doing a free concert at this like church in Long Island. Oh, it was a high school. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> in itself, that's crazy. Oh my God. To like about how Marisha, how many people were in attendance? It was a free concert to the public, but the catch was that you had to be a resident of that town. But we looked crazy enough. So we were, you know, I'm, I'm like Connie Chung here. I'm like, I want to get an interview with Roger <laughs> McGuinn. You know, I think I look at my surroundings. I'm like, I think this is doable. Keep your guys' fingers crossed because we're hardcore trying to score an interview with Ronnie Spector. Ronnie, if you're listening to this, please do the interview with us. We are trying to hook that up. But this is what I'm getting at. So we, okay, so we get into the venue. Mike, I hope this isn't boring. It's, no. I promise this is going to be a funny one. Because Nothing you, ever comes your out stories boring. are amazing. Nothing comes out of your mouth. And Jonah, <laughs> not just even punk rock, but I mean, this, I'm glad that we decided to make this a four parter because, um, <laughs> Mike, you know, um, and then, you know, some exclusive content later for the <laughs> iTunes listeners. But what I wanted to say is that, uh, oh, the pizza's on its way. I'm making up crap. What I'm getting at is Mike has, I mean, I'm always, I love hearing all your stories. And you got such amazing Gigi uh, Allen stories. And also Alan Jackson stories, too. Naturally. Because a lot of people don't know about your tenure with the Jack. Alan Jackson. It's very little known. <laughs> yeah. After Michael Jackson, he's really one of the most talented Jacksons. But... <laughs> I think, Joni, you have to remind me now what I was talking Roger about. Roger McGuinn, you're yes, trying to get the interview. thank the you card. very much. Yeah. So, okay, so basically, like, this, I'll play out the story. It's like, I totally, because I totally remember it, because it's a really killer one. It ended up being a kind of cool night. Anyway, like I was saying, it was a Wednesday night. Marisha, I think, was doing a photo shoot. My sister... Who I live with when I am here in New York. In, Who's one uh, of the Brooklyn. coolest people on the fucking planet? One of the very coolest people on the Just planet. Saying. <laughs> Just saying. Just <laughs> saying. No, I mean, well, we got. But this two weeks apart has taught me again that I, I, I am my own person. <laughs> <laughs> brother, and that's brother, why and we sister love you. relationship on full display. <laughs> But, um, well, okay, then I'm going to fast forward this. But this is a classic. No, look, we bicker. We're like the Edward. We're like the Edward and Alex Van Halen of YouTube shows, Marisha and I. You know what I mean? We're a team. Um, she's the dime bag, really. I'm the Vinny. I'm the Phil Everly. I'm the Don. Don Everly. Guys, we're... And very often my apartment is the stage. <laughs> you're, you're John Fogarty. I'm Tom Fogarty. And yes, there were two Fogartys in Creedence Clearwater Revival until their, final al until their final two albums. See, that was the end of Creedence. 
Yo, this is this is again. I'm this is we're going off the rails, guys. So Jesse, you're at the show. You're trying Thank to get you, so. okay. You're trying to get this interview. Yes, and so Marisha <laughs> and I are at the show. Joda, thank you so much. Off the rails. I take that seriously. I am off of my antipsychotic tonight because I knew that I was going to be doing off the rails. Okay, <laughs> what I'm getting at is so Joda. And Mike, this is a, this is a, a great story. So Marisha and I are there. I think we were actually fighting that night because I didn't stop at McDonald's yes, before the yes, show. Because you lied to me. And so then I was like, me. "Fuck it, all right." And we were like so worked up because I was like, and so we were just like brother and sisters do. So I went into a stop and shop. Like I didn't even wait in the line. I just took like like a thing of like chicken nuggets that was a good meal, put it in my crotch, walked out of that stop and shop. Crotch like, nuggets. Yeah, boom. <laughs> but. Anywho, so we get to the Roger McGuinn concert about an hour before it starts. I'm dressed not quite as sparkly, but crazy for the summer. Um, <laughs> not and, and dressed cool for the summer. That was a Demi Lovato reference. Anywho, I wanted to say that. So we're at the Roger McGuinn concert. We get in. We find out that it's at this weird high school. We park like in the high school parking lot. Go into it. And um um and there's like a police officer and a person from the town like checking everyone before they walk in, but we have our camera bag and so it was like they were like, Okay. And they just <laughs> let us in. We didn't have to prove we were residents because we were they were like, surely these people must obviously be, they're pressed. Obviously they have a pressed. tripod. <laughs> they have a tripod. <laughs> they have a light stick. <laughs> Boom. So you get in there and then we Shout out. This is a re- Okay, finally the story's getting interesting. I'm going to stay on the facts, guys. So we basically, we get in there. Just the facts, ma'am. Yeah, Mrs. McGuinn. So right in the front of this auditorium of the high school is a merch table with um, Roger McGuinn CDs. I don't think a Roger McGuinn t-shirt, because I would have been interested no, no, in that. Pictures it was just signed pictures. And CDs. And CDs. And maybe laser discs? They had a box of, like, Tron okay, yeah, laser discs. there was laser discs. Like, they, this, like... Yeah they would sell at a flea market or something i don't know but like just <laughs> randomly like like two for twenty dollars i thought the laser discs were priced high frog figurines. frog figurines no they did not have frog figurines or laser discs it was just like <laughs> roger mcguinn cds but it was his wife and so roger mcguinn has gotten honestly he has gotten incredibly christian i think they are christian but i did jonah my best i go up to her with all my charm and i'm like oh you know hey i'm jesse camp you know you um I don't know. You probably don't know me from MTV, but you know, uh, this is my sister. You might have you might have had sex with me before your conversion to the Lord, but probably didn't. But no, what I'm getting at. Why did I say that? This is what I'm getting at. So I just tried to charm her. I tell her about the show and be like, you know, um, do you think it, you know, it would be cool if Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member Roger McGuinn, who's you know done <laughs> Mr. Tambourine Man and Eight Miles High, and you know, well, or is he not good enough? That <laughs> reinterpreted Turn Turn Turn. I mean, take him all the way up to like his era with Graham Parsons. I mean, imagine if we could get why the hell not get Roger McGuinn on off the rails? But here's the thing. So I did my best charm, like asking, you know, but. She was like, oh, Marisha, can you remind me what she said? Roger doesn't do interviews on show days or something? Right. Roger, that was, oh, that was the excuse why he wouldn't do an interview. Shit. I've gotten that excuse before, too. That's a oh, dude, excuse. this is good. I would like to hear I've about this it. kind of stuff. I've gotten it. People are like, oh, I can't. I have to save my voice. Oh, and it's my like, God. Yeah. Okay. I've gotten that. 
But then I hounded her. I was not taking no for an answer. So we like stayed around the merch booth. Like I awkwardly made small talk. They live in an RV. They live in an RV. Hold on, Marisha. You you gotta you gotta get on the cast. Okay, okay, getting on the cast. So, um, well that that was all I had to say, really. Yeah, we were. This could be a no, no. I actually, actually, I didn't. microphone engineer. Hold on, I'm not getting it. And then, of course, boom. Okay. All right. Okay. So I just, I, I have a black eye now from the mic. And, um, <laughs> but I'll deal with that after. And what was I thinking? Um, no, so it, it's actually a really beautiful story because the McGuins are in their 70s. And this is what they do. They have some gorgeous house in Florida or wherever. And most of the time, because they love being on the road and they love music and they love performing, they are rolling around in this RV and they're more than happy to play, you know, a high school for some really ritzy town in Long Island that holds exclusive events for its residents. Oh yeah, and then the, the, there's a real and then mean and woman. Uh, there was a really mean was woman like sitting right behind me. The councilwoman ran this out fight. Yeah. filming the show. That's fucked up. I'm telling you, he did this Roger McGuinn on top. No, no, but we, oh, we yeah. ended up meeting, like, the two people. That, oh, yeah, this is. That there's this great couple, and they're, like, the two people that just don't fit in in this town. Like, there are some kind of leftover hippie, you know, beautiful, beautiful couple. And we ended up going back to their house to, like, smoke joints with them. And they were so happy to meet anybody in ritzy long island that wasn't of that genre of person who might dig them they'd spent so many years being like the weirdos in the town and all of a sudden like weirder people rolled in you know (laughs) and it was hallelujah um so we ended up just uh, the story doesn't go anywhere cool we we got really stoned at their house we watched jethro tell videos there were huge jethro tell fans that got us back on this tell kick and like appreciating and Ian Anderson this on the tall kick, so, yeah. You know, yeah. whenever you're at your lowest, like somehow Ian Anderson <laughs> finds a way. He didn't. Yeah. There's like 104 and still plays the whole show standing like oh, fucking that on one foot. Really? That's, he plays like Wait. a fighter. He stands like that the whole fucking show. It's crazy. I couldn't stand like that there on one song. He does a whole performance. Oh yeah. Like that shit. It's crazy. It's like he's like a, he's like that that great runner Oscar that <laughs> but he has Oscar Vittorius. That's that, the one. Shout out Only he to my wife. What? Metal. I thought you were an intruder. Only he doesn't have giant metal feet. <laughs> Yo, hey Joda, because I really honestly I want to let you know this from the heart, and this is coming from all of us here. This is magic. We love you to death. I'm a huge fan of you and going off the rails. I mean, I tell you what, if I'm on Vice, if I'm on Noisy and I see Byline, Jonah Bear, boom, I'm reading that. You Thanks, know what man. I mean? I appreciate that. Not just that I periodical, agree. but if I'm like, you know, reading Playboy, kind of bumming that this Pam Anderson is the last naked issue, you know, but still there's like a, a, a really awesome article in there. Boom, Jonah Bear knew it. This is good. This is great stuff. Where I was going with this is that it's such an honor to be here and... um we got a lot of, um, uh, we also, you know, because it's a podcast, you never know who might show up. Oh my God, it's Lemmy Kilmeister. Hello. Oh, no, oh, I just turned 70 while I'm here. Oh man, I love oh, you. Piss off. Oh, no, not you, Jonah. I'm sorry. I was talking to that ant over there. I love his. I love that cameo he does in Airheads. Oh my god! It's so great. I right? love the line before he's in it where they say, "All right, 
real quick when they're trying to fucking test the guy, give him the, 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 the test questions. He's like, all right, in a fight, who would win? Lemmy Kilmeister or God? And the guy goes, oh, Lemmy. He goes, wrong, trick, trick question. Lemmy is God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. Although, as much as I absolutely love Lemmy and would positively do anything for the man, I'm pissed at him. Because I've had a tattoo on the back of my neck for about 20 fucking years. It's a big iron cross with New York City in the middle, and over it and under it, there's a banner that says 49% motherfucker, 51% son of a bitch. And I remember him at Cotton, at uh, Coney Island High in St. Mark's getting fucked up. He was always over there a lot. And I was fucking hanging out with him a few times. And one time he actually pointed out the tattoo on my neck. And, oh, I like that, mate. And now the motherfucker came out with his autobiography called 49% Motherfucker, 51% Son no of a Bitch. I'm like, oh, you prick. Now I got a fucking Lemmy fucking book title on the back of my neck. <laughs> and I know you saw it for me first, you bastard. Oh, man, that's funny. But it's Lemmy, so it's loud. Yeah. See, that's the awesome thing about Mike is that, I mean, he shit. Uh, when I was 18, I, I do shit. Yes. <laughs> he does do shit, but I mean, he's his your back. Mike's backstory is really interesting because I think Mike, where are you? What part of New York are you originally from? Um, I was born up in the Bronx. I grew up since like I was up in the um, South Bronx, then the North Bronx, and but since I was 12 years old, which is when I moved out of my parents, fucking, which is an interesting story as it is, fucking. <laughs> It was awesome because I was already like fucking six foot four, had tattoos already by the time before I hit my 13th birthday. So I looked a lot older. Are you serious? Yeah. I, I mean, I was already signed to Warner Brothers fucking playing with Didi when I was fucking just past my 16th birthday. So by the time before I hit 13, I was already living on the Lower East Side with some fucking 17 year old stripper chick. <laughs> oh and I'd be walking with all my friends that are like 20 something years old into the bars and I'd be the one that doesn't get ID'd. Meanwhile, I just turned 13, but I'm like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, this was my first tattoo. And back then, nobody had fucking tattoos. This is like in the fucking, you know, the early, the mid 80s, early 80s. And like, that was my first tattoo, the pirate, the flag, it was like my okay. whole upper arm. So, like, if you had a tattoo back then, they just didn't question you. It's not right. like now where everybody's got tats. Like, people saw you with tats and they, like, crossed the street. Uh, people saw you with, like, sat tats and they, like, crossed the street. You know, so I'm, like, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, got a tattoo that takes up my whole upper arm. So nobody... And I'm with a fucking stripper chick fucking that look like a stripper chick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nobody's going to question you back then. It was funny. Yeah. Were but, you... Were you around there when, like, weren't, like, Bad Brains living down there or something? Everybody lived. Yeah. I remember when the Bad Brains were around a lot. Like, um, first, they were just coming, doing shows from, D like, coming from D.C. and stuff. Then they were down here for a while. We did a podcast here with John Joseph a couple years oh, ago. Oh, John Joseph's fucking, he's my man. Yeah, he had some yeah. really crazy stories about... I'm on both sides of the fucking little feud there. I'm fucking friends with Harley and friends with John. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and they're both right and they're both wrong. So yeah. <laughs> you guys have a really interesting relationship because I feel like, you know, obviously your your background is in kind of punk, that kind yeah. of stuff. Jesse, you seem to know a lot about that, but it seems like you're also... Well, take a look at this. This is some back history with Mike and I because we've gotten to do some really cool things together. Who Who's that on the screen there, Jonah? You're showing me a picture. 
I'm not sure who that is. That's, that's me. Mike. That's Check. you. Mike, wow. you take your glasses off. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if, yeah, same. See, yeah, you can see us getting into. Um, you guys are in front of the St. Mark's Hotel. That was awesome. Yeah. You know what's funny while we were filming that? It's fucking like fucking six in the morning, five thirty in the morning. A few minutes beforehand, Wait. there's not a soul on St. Mark's, and Dee Snyder comes strolling by. <laughs> no way. Yeah, is I it totally do. St. Mark's Hotel is that where Gigi passed away? Is that no, no, no? He actually died at um my friend's house, Johnny Puke, which is right up the block from the gas station, right across the street. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but what were you starting to say before? Oh, that, so right? I just feel like you know Johnny Puke, though. Hold on, Johnny Puke. Do you know who? Do you who? Do you know who that is? Dude from some punk bands. He was doing a lot of spoken word shit at the time. But okay, Gigi stayed at his house that night. What about Jim Carroll? Well, Basketball look, Diaries. He's, he's yeah. just fucking cool as fuck. Did like, you ever hang with him ever, Mike? No, I didn't. But you know what's ironic? My dad was playing um, with St. John's around the same time that Carol was playing there. My dad remembers him from really? being in school. Yeah. Do you remember he had that spoken word thing on? Outcome the Wolves, too. Yeah. That, which is really My cool. favorite thing from him, though, is still People Who Died. That's ha, a great I'm song. I'm Tim Armstrong. <laughs> so Wait what were you saying? Oh, so, I but forget. I was saying, so you, you have this sort of punk history. Jesse, you have this sort of glam thing. Like, oh, I, yeah. I see you posting photos of like Tom Kiefer and all that stuff. I mean, do you guys feel like there's a lot of crossover with those two kind of worlds? Well, New York. I mean, when New York started, the punk scene came out of fucking, you know, like the dolls were right. like pre-punk. And then, and then like when the punk scene hit, it was fucking Ramones, Dead Boys, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, you know, all that shit. And I mean, I look at the band, one of my first real bands was with Johnny Thunders, Steve Vaders, and Dee Dee Ramone. That's the Ramones, the fucking Dolls and the Heartbreakers, and the, and the Dead Boys right there. That's, I mean... Wait, what band was this? That was the Horse of Babylon. The Horse of Babylon had Johnny Thunders... Stiff Vaders and Didi Ramon and me on bass. Oh my Stip God! Baders. How did I not know that all these you years? You did know that. The I Horse did. Babylon. You just knew about Johnny and Didi. Yeah, it I didn't originally realize. Started. Stiff was supposed to come back from um, from Paris, but he died before. Oh, and that's why, that's why we had Michael Monroe singing for us. Wow. From Hanoi Rocks. Yeah. And then Johnny fucking died, so and it just boom. ended up oh, with wow. me and Didi. Okay, you have incredibly long legs. Yeah, but, I did not um, mean that. <laughs> And these are but white. Anyway, <laughs> they, I mean, if you ask any of the major like glam acts out there, it's like who are there? You know, who are the people that inspire them? The Dolls, Thunders, you know, Dead Boys, fucking all that shit. So it's like the like the glam thing derived from the same thing that that started punk. You yeah. know, at least in New York, when you get to like L.A. and a lot of other places, it separates a lot more because they don't have that, but. These are people, the New York scene is heavy with the music, the drug scene, all that's together. And the same people that started that, they weren't doing punk, they weren't doing glam, they were just playing. But it's what started punk and glam, and they, like, sprang out of that. So it's, like, in New York, it's very, like, it's very, like, twisted together. Yeah, Absolutely. Makes, you know, especially New York all the history in New York. Right. You know, I grew Lou up Reed. Here, You know, and I was hanging out early since I was, like, 12 or 13, so that's, like, anyone... It's like hanging out since the very, very early 80s, you know, so that's actually the tail end of that, you know. I mean, the Whores of Babylon, actually, to be honest, which it, that band actually has a lot of history, because if you ever read any of Dee Dee's autobiographies, he talks about it. They were talking, it was originally going to be called Skull. It was originally, it was going to be Dee Dee Ramon, Johnny Thunders, Steve Baders, Jerry Nolan, and, Stiv and Sid Vicious. 
And, you know, obviously Sid died and they went here and there. But when they got it together, they ended up calling the Whores of Babylon. And it was still Johnny, Stiv, and Dee Dee. You know, I was just lucky enough to get into the middle of that because I randomly ran into Dee Dee and just started talking to him one day. And he was just like, oh, you know, I'm going to be playing guitar on my, you know, the new band. I played my last Ramones show two days ago. You know, do you, you want like to come Lynn. and try out? Because I don't want to <laughs> play bass anymore. And I was like, sure. Next day I went to his house on Ninth uh, Street and Fifth Avenue. And he was like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. He was like, you want to play? He's like, he's, he's like, you're young and you just start. And he's like, but you remind me a lot of me when I was starting. He's like, if you're willing to let me teach you some stuff, I'd love to have you in the band. Next thing you know, two weeks later, I got a $300,000 contract with Warner Brothers. <laughs> wow. You know? And like I said, then Stiv died and we got, um, we got Michael Monroe and... You know, Johnny died, so we ended up switching it around a lot, but we played together for a long time, and he stayed a close friend of mine until he died. That is, yeah. You know, he knew my whole family, everything. It's, it's funny, matter of fact, my dad used to have a van, and he would drive us around, like, like to shows and rehearsals and shit, which is me and Dee Dee. And one day, I go up to the top of the Bronx to my parents' house. I still got my keys, right? And I open the door. And um, I wanted to get something to my parents' house, and I hear fucking place reeks of weed, and I hear guitars playing. What the fuck? I walk in to the living room. It's like a big old pre-war apartment, one of the most apartments up like uptown, like up at the top of the Bronx. Those huge apartments. So I'm walking through, smelling weed, hearing guitars. I walk into the living room. There's my dad laying fucking. It's summer, so he's laying in his boxes, no shirt on, with his acoustic guitar stoned off his ass, fucking playing on one couch, right? And then there's fucking two pizza boxes, one empty, one with a few slices in it left in the middle of the floor. <laughs> and then sitting on the other couch, laying back in his boxes with another T-shirt on his Dee Dee, jamming on another acoustic. Both stoned out of their asses. It turned out Dee Dee got into a fight with his girlfriend, Laura, who he's living with on 9th Street. Fucking couldn't get in touch with me, called my dad looking for me, and my dad was like, oh, I'll move you with some of this shit. He ended up living with my parents in my old bedroom for like fucking two months. No way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because my dad is really young. Like, they had me really young. So, Dee Dee was actually just as close to his age as he was to mine. So, like, they hit it off really well. And my dad was a musician, too. You know, so... As a matter of fact, Johnny Thunders, on um, his last record, covered a song that my dad and his brother, my uncle, wrote. She Cried. Which was on the Patty Paladin and Johnny Thunders copycats record. Dope. And they had originally wrote it and sold it to, I think, Jay and the Americans and the Shirelles did it and stuff. But... He, Johnny Thunders covered it on his last record, so it was kind of funny also that I ended up playing with him when fucking he had just finished recording a song that my uncle wrote and my father wrote like fucking 30 years before. Holy shit. <laughs> That's, That's kind insane. of funny, right? Yeah, that is... <laughs> That's like crazy shit. Right? That's wild. Absolutely. That is, that is, yeah, I mean, Mike is, man, you are the... The pot of gold at the end of the punk rock rainbow. Oh, shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yo, I got to go soon. It's 520. I got rehearsal at 6 on stand. With your new band, The, the Deceivers. Deceivers. All right. Yeah. And We're not you... talking about Mike and the Deceivers from <laughs> Growing Pains. We... This is the D. Can, can people check out Deceiver stuff? Um, you guys have we out we actually out? we had a show. We played the reunion show at St. Mar at um right, Tompkins Square Park over the summer. The reunion for the riots in like July. We had our first real show with our real lineup the way it is on um, two Saturdays ago. There's some songs posted from it. You can look up on um, YouTube. Okay. Matter of fact, 
We, we can close with this. Hold on a second right here. Let's Mike, see. there's one thing we got to do, though, before you jet out. And What's we'll do up? it super quick. But one thing, and then we can do more in a sec if you want. But this is, I promise you, this is, yo, at the fucking podcast awards they have in Vegas every year. Let's go for a pod award right now. This is Mike and I calling a Flying J truck stop yeah. in Montana. <laughs> we love to do prank phone All calls. Right, right after this, we're going to get a two-second can... deceivers clip. Yes. Is that working right, Jonah? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay. Welcome, Flying J. Well, hello there. How are you? I thought for a moment that I hit one of the pumps in the back, but I just realized that, no, I am parked in my cab safely. I just, uh, man, fell asleep to MacGyver episode there, and, uh... Goddamn fool, that was a poodle, I tried to tell you. Oh, I'm I'm here with my associate. Don't you think it's crazy now they make truckers have to have a partner after your second accident? Anyway, this is my uh, better half at the wheel. He handles more of the business. I do the driving, but we just want to come in and... and the sexual escapade. <laughs> well, yeah, but we'll get to that later. Can I throw you on the line here with him? Just super quick, because he had some questions about getting an oil change and what that's going to require, and if he can use his pilot flying J points towards it. Not the oil change, no. But I we don't have like a service thing here. No service. Well, we we can. How you ha- how you have a place with no service? No, we have people that you can call repairmen. So you have people, but you have no service. No, not here. Well, that's just disgraceful in this by, fine so. country of America having no service, but you got people. What the people doing if they can't do service? We do not like Bernie Sanders, as you can imagine. He scares the living bejesus out of both of us. We are God-loving people. Gives us shivers, he does. Oh, man, but that Hillary, I mean, listen, her bangability for a 72-year-old through the roof, not gonna lie, but overall, as our next president... Makes me itchy in the slacks, she does. I'm getting serious... Itchiness in my slacks, if you know what I mean. Which brings me to my next question. Uh, you guys have the laundry room in there. How jammed up is that? I imagine a lot of people are getting their Christmas clothing all cleaned. Um, I'm not too sure, but I can go check. I like to use my drawers from last year. I also heard that Pilot Flying J are now letting you use your Pilot Flying J points towards free hot dogs. Is this a fact? You can use points, but you just don't receive them. Well, hot dogs is always good when they spray. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, when you're eating a free hot dog, it just tastes better. But anywho, I would like to give a giant shout-out right now to Pilot... Hold on. I, I'm sorry. I just swallowed a lifesaver and a Tic Tac in one. Um, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to give a shout-out right now to Pilot Flying J. You're listening to Jason Aldean Radio right now. We are sponsored by, of course, Pilot Flying J. And this is, of course, Jason Aldean and Tim McGraw. Yay. And also, Kenny Chesney is here. And we love Flying J. And we're proud to have y'all sponsoring our tour. And thank you so much for being a part of Jason Aldean Radio. 
right. That's it. The deceivers. <laughs> we missed you. No, I had to actually do some work. <laughs> do you want to jump in real quick and we'll kind of... You guys still going? Yeah. We're still yeah. Going. But... It's... Yeah, you guys share. You guys sit over here. Perfect. Perfect. Is he calling? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, hold on, Craig. Are you here? Yes, I'm here. Okay, who are you gonna be? Gene Simmons. Okay, guys. For editing purposes, I'm gonna just say that I got Gene Simmons on the line. Okay. 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 <laughs> right. Hey, Jonah. Sorry, brother. I just I really look up to you, and so I'm trying to prove my legitimacy to you by getting you know. Famous rock stars on the line, and I'm really, really sorry that um, <laughs> I'm really, really, really sorry that Tommy Shaw of Sticks is being a douche and not picking up his phone. But we got Gene Simmons to kiss on the line. <laughs> We're doing even better than Tommy Shaw. <laughs> wow, Gene, how's it going? It's going great. Can I just go ahead and tell you what Tommy was going to say when he called in? <laughs> sure. He was planning on saying that he would be nowhere if it wasn't for all the great music that he stole from Kiss. <laughs> yeah, that Tommy Shaw, he, he ripped you guys off. You can name any great stick song and trace it back <laughs> to a Kiss classic. Go ahead and name a song. Go ahead. A uh, lady. Lady? Sure. Great song. I liked it a lot better the first time I heard it when it was called Beth. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Well, <laughs> what about Mr. Roboto? Surely that Mr. can't Roboto. be traced to Kiss. Mr. Roboto is a great song, but guess what? You put it on top of Lick It Up, it's the same goddamn song. <laughs> Gene, you're absolutely right. Hey, what's going on with you and Shannon and Nick and uh, Sophie? Well, you know, right now, I'm glad you asked, Jesse, because as you know, it's only three more days until Kissmas. Am I right? <laughs> you are correct. Right. So right now, it's a very important time for people all over the world. They're all trying to get online at kissonline.com. They're trying to buy all the brand new toys. We just came up with an incredible promotion that's going to blow your mind. And I'm glad you're putting me on your show to talk about this. Are you ready for this, Jesse? <laughs> well, it's really Jonah's show going no, off the I'm rails. Ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> all right. At this point, it's my show. Let's be honest. So Jesus. here's what it is. You have... Everybody has KISS fans in their family, okay? Let's say you have a sister. You have a mother. How do you like to watch them get pounded by KISS for four ninety nine? You can actually have a real boyfriend experience with a member of KISS. Or, for 20 bucks, you can have Ace. So go to kissonline.com and click on my cod piece. Boom. And you can watch one of your female members of your family get pounded by kids. Oh, man, Gene. That is an outrageously great offer. <laughs> Let me ask you, how much would it cost to bang Bruce Kulik? For Bruce, you get 50 bucks for Bruce. He'll throw in a guitar pick. He won't even care. He'll be happy to be working. Okay? 
<laughs> Fantastic. But can I bang Vinnie Vincent? <laughs> sure. Listen, this is for the fans. Why not? Everybody else is fucked, Vinnie. Why not go up next? Who cares? <laughs> Gene, you're, you're absolutely right out the buddy. And um, I heard that you've been making... Um, uh, a new movie starring the L.A. Kiss football team and Tracy Morgan. Is that correct? That's right. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> it's hard to top the greatest box office movie of all time. Have you heard the news that they just came in with the numbers? Who's the yeah, Kiss meets Scooby-Doo did not do as well as the new Star Wars. <laughs> and nobody does as well as Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Think about it. When you take the Star Wars ideas, a lot of them were derivative of concepts that we had for Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. It's all stolen from Kiss. It all comes back to us. We invented every rock band that's alive right now. Van Halen, Scorpions, Black Sabbath, all of them stole from Kiss. Hip-hop. And here's a crazy one. Are you ready for an exclusive? Yes. Kiss invented the HPV virus, the human papilloma <laughs> virus. We invented it. Well, I hope you got uh, that copyrighted. We did. We got it copyrighted, and we have a cure. Oh. You got to go to kissonline.com to pay for it. Fantastic. Now, Gene, I've been hearing a lot about uh, this new KISS healthcare. Why should I not go with Blue Cross and Blue Shield? Why should I go with KISS health? Because KISS cares about the fans. And we want to be able to take care of you in your time of need, which is why we invented healthcare for KISS fans everywhere. We invented a kids club. It's called the KISS Kids Well, Gene, I mean, you literally, between the Kiss condoms and the Kiss coffins, you have them coming and going. Right. Well, we do it for the fans, Jesse. Don't confuse me with somebody who's trying to get rich off the fans. We're doing it for the fans. That's why we do everything. It's for the fans, which is why our next farewell tour is going to happen in 2016, and it's brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, and American Airlines. We love to fly, and it shows. But we do it for the fans, Jesse. I know that you know that. Good thing Ace isn't in the band with that Budweiser deal. It's for the fans. We're going to give alcohol to our youngest fans and let them have a fun time. I don't give a shit what they do with it. Look, they come down, they drink, they pork each other in the butt, whatever happens, as long as you're spending money on Kiss, we don't care. Regine, <laughs> don't you feel that Trump is ripping you off a little? Do you feel Trump is ripping you off a little? I'll tell you a little secret about Donald. Do you know that he's one of the original members of the Kiss Army? <laughs> no. Here's something, um, can I trust you to keep something private if I tell you a secret? Just between us and the going off the rails listeners, sure. Okay. 
Well, Gene, I mean, isn't that calling the kettle black? <laughs> this is all original kiss weed hair. Oh. <laughs> I was hoping that you would maybe pick this podcast to disclose the true nature of what is on your head. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's all real kiss hair. Gene, thank, honestly, Gene, thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate that. I was I was trying to get Bob Saget, and he wouldn't do it. So, I mean, you really were a lifesaver. The yeah. reason why I did it is because I know you're a huge Kiss fan, and you know how much of an influence we've had, not only on music, but on the human race. And you're welcome. I'm going to go. Gene, thank you so much. That was amazing. Uh, hey, Gene. KissOnline.com. Yes. <laughs> Gene, Gene, finally, <laughs> I think we lost Gene, but boom. Thank you so much, Gene. Gene Simmons, holy shit. Wow, I got to check out this kissonline.com site. Oh, my gosh. Boom, man. Listen, I'm a huge Kiss fan. Who's not? So this was really, you know, it was fun, but is there anything in the remaining minutes that you would, that, is there anything, how do you guys want to tie it up? Um, Did you guys enjoy having me? This is like the neurotic insecure this, part yes, of me coming out. This has been an this epic. This is one of the strangest episodes we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for listening. <laughs> All right. All I can say is. Don't know if you can tell. I didn't make it all the way through that one. Brad just made a noise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm the only one, actually, that made it through. You did. Steven shit. had to pick up his kids after about an hour. Brad had to do work. And I just <clears throat> stuck around. And, it was a uh, marathon. It was a marathon. But it was fun. It was fun. I mean, you guys actually took a break at one point and then came back in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was... Yeah, but that's what I love about this podcast is, like... We can do whatever we want. So, yeah, Jesse can come. His buddies can come by. We can just talk. I, I, yeah, I don't know what I expected, but it was it was pretty much what it should it have been. It was its own thing. It was its own thing, like Jesse. Um, oh, yeah. So if you want to keep up with Jesse, follow him on Instagram, uh, Josiah Camp. Um, he's always posting cool photos. He does a lot of stuff with, um, I don't want to say, uh, like, I guess, like transvestites is that or like burlesque stuff i don't know i don't know what the right pc terminology is but he does a lot of cool photos and portraits his sister also takes amazing photos um so he references her all the time too i can't remember her instagram name off the top of my head um so thanks to them for coming by if you see jesse out definitely say hi to him he's such a friendly sweet dude um also thanks to mike denied for coming by I think we might have to do a full-on podcast with him at some point just about the murder junkies, oh, even, yeah. even if no one cares about it but me. <laughs> because to me, like that is like such an interesting chapter of music that so few people sort of actually experienced. Um, and what else? Uh, if you like this podcast, great. Uh, go to goingofftrack.com. You can leave us a couple bucks for our server costs. 
Uh, you can also leave us a nice comment on iTunes, give us a nice rating, or you can just tweet about the podcast, let your friends know you liked it, or send us a check for a million dollars so that we can buy a mansion upstate. That's sort of what I'm, I'm trying to get work towards. Really? So. That's that's what this is all about for yeah, you? Yeah, I'm just in it for... I'm into the, doing this free co- podcast for five years for the money. <laughs> that's clearly why I do this. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks to everyone for coming by. Thanks to Brad. Thanks to Rubber Tracks. Um, I'd like to thank my agent, my manager, my publicist, my whole team. You guys have been killing it lately. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll be back next week with another bizarre podcast, most likely. Most likely. Maybe not this bizarre, but... You know, we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. All right, bye.